Last Sunday night, my family and I were at Emmeline's parents. It's not that far away, but it was far enough that we were spending the night there. While there, her dad took us out in the car journey in the darkness to see a strange sight. It was a house covered with lights, far more than I strung up outside Rycroft, much, much more than anyone would ever think of putting in their front garden anywhere in Lindfield. In fact, more than I have seen anywhere before, even in a TV show or a film. It was just covered with lights. And like us, people were parking all along the street and getting out their car and standing there on the pavement and walking up the driveway of the house to look at these lights, to gaze in wonder. There were multiple Santas, one in a plane with rotating propellers, one on the roof with the reindeer, another on what I think must have been about a 10-foot-tall working Ferris wheel, along with snowmen and angels in the other seats. There was lights on the ground. There was lights on the trees and in the hedges. Everything was weighed down with lights. But in the middle, in the middle of all this brightness, was a dimly lit nativity scene. Mary and Joseph, shepherds and kings, they were all there in the centre of the lawn, but they seemed ever so slightly out of place. And they seemed ever so slightly overlooked by the others that were gazing at the bright light. Unlike a church event where people might have come expecting to see them, the audience had come for an adoration of the lights, not for an adoration of the Christ. And I guess these folk were like many who've just had the holiday of Christmas. They've maybe neglected to observe the presence of the Christ child who's brought the real light into the dark world. It was light in the form of a star that got the Magi's eye. And those learned people, not Jewish folk, possibly Zoroastrians, knew something was up. What they observed is a bit unclear. Whatever they saw was visible to the naked eye. And the telescope was not around for many more hundreds of years. Some say it was a comet. The comets are more traditionally thought of as signs of doom or danger, of death or disaster. Not a mark of a new king. A nova or supernova 
also seems unlikely. There's no observations outside of the Bible, and it would have been possible for the whole population to see. The position of planets is also proposed, particularly Jupiter. But of course, the Lord who created the whole universe may have chosen something specific for this event, ordaining a particular guiding light that we do not know anything else of. Bringing forth something to become the Bethlehem star and lead the way for the Magi. Why should we imagine that science must have an explanation for something that God can do? Whatever the sight in the sky, the Magi follow it. They choose to follow it. And they declare probably an assumption that they've made that a new king has been born. They travel from Persia, heading correctly, but don't necessarily end up in the right place. They've got it into their minds that it's got to be a king, and therefore, if you're looking for a king... You look in the royal place, the holy city, Jerusalem. They have it in their minds that they're going to see a palatial king, a wealthy monarch. And so they don't end up where they should be. They are distracted by the world. The presence of the star was something they'd never seen before. It was something like they'd never seen before. But yet, they try and put it into an earthly image, an earthly understanding. And this can be a dilemma for us of faith, too. We know what we're called to do, but we get distracted by the world. We are to reflect the likeness of Jesus, who himself is the image of the invisible God. But we don't always reflect anything of the image of Jesus. God is love. That love became flesh and lived among us. And he now dwells in the hearts of believers. But when we fail to follow the way, when we get lost and take our mind off where we should be going, when we are distracted by the world and the lights around us seem dazzlingly brighter and briefly more appealing, then we will fail to do what is good and right and just and we ourselves will find ourselves in a palace of the evil one we will find ourselves in the place of the one 
who seeks his own personal gain and who would have us become complicit in the wickedness of the world. When we take our eye off what we're supposed to be doing, then we do the wrong thing. The Magi are redirected. Look in Bethlehem, they are told. And they set off again. But we're probably left wondering about those that are saying, look in Bethlehem, that that's what the prophets said, that that's what the scripture is, but don't journey that way themselves. How can they know the scripture and not live it out? How can they have the hope written in front of them that they are reading, but not actually seek that hope for their lives? Even Herod, who has his own ulterior motives, doesn't venture out to see who this threat to his realm may be. He sits back. There's an apathy almost there to begin with. Let others do it. Let them come back, then I'll know. There is hypocrisy and apathy among rulers in the world and also among people with faith. Are there times that we like to tell others what to think and what to do, but we don't live that way ourselves? And when others are doing what is right, are we inspired to go with them? Or do we stand back and watch and wait? Are we the wise people seeking God's gift of Jesus? Or do we maybe think ourselves too practical to follow a dream, to follow the star, to seek out the hope of the world? The Magi finally arrive. Their last part of the journey has again been guided by the star. And there's no mistaking where they will find the Christ child. Somehow, the star shines above where he is. Now, no celestial thing that we know of can do that. But God ordained some light to point onto the place where he is. Sometimes in the Bible, things just are, and we can't explain. The Magi gave Jesus, or perhaps Joseph, considering the King of Kings' young age, their gifts. The gifts of gold, 
and frankincense and myrrh. Such presents would be suitable for any royalty. But the incense for worship and the oils of embalming, as well as having significance and meaning to royalty, have a sense that the Magi could not have known of how they would be used or what they might signify to people later. We know the truth of who this child is. We know that he's not just an earthly king, but a heavenly king. That he is the king of kings. We know the truth that this is the son of God. And have heard of how his act of love on the cross enables our sins to be forgiven. But the Magi gave their gifts not knowing this. Not expecting anything in return, but purely there to honour, to give of who they were to someone they felt was important. How much more as people who know the fullness of God's love should we be challenged to give of who we are? To give the gifts we have. Gifts of, if we have it, wealth, but also of time and energy and service. Not because we want something in return, but because it's something that our heart moves us to do. But this call for action, this sense of how is our heart moved and how do we give, comes with a health warning. It's the gifts we have and the way that we are called to serve that we are to give. We've not to give somebody else's gift. We've not called to respond in the way that somebody else is. We're called to seek it is that God wants us individually to do. It's not for whoever brings the frankincense to say, actually, I want to give you gold. Or the other way around. And God has given each one of us different abilities. You don't want me to stand over there and sing the descant. You know, it might be something I'm tempted to do at times. But you don't want me to do it. I'm not gifted that way. Jane will be pleased to hear. Um, We do what we're called to do, what we're gifted to do. And there's another health warning too. As we're called to serve, we mustn't get too wrapped up in that. 
and that we must also find time to seek. I remember the story of the sisters Martha and Mary. Martha thought Mary was not doing enough. But it was Martha that had to change her pace. We're called to use our gifts. We're called to do the right thing. But we also have to remember to take time in the presence of God. To seek the word. To spend time with God. So that we can then encourage others. And hopefully grow in faith. May we as God's people in 2016 be wise men and wise women who do the right thing. Who honour God in our worship but also in our service. In our worshipful lives each day. Displaying the truth of his love. And seeking to lay our gifts at his feet. Amen.